And we are live back with another episode of Shifting the Narrative on Everything Autism. I'm Torin Kearns. As usual, I'm joined by the Autism Sage yourself, Mama Baden. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited about our topic today. So I guess I should always say, well, I always talk about the weather. Um, the sun is shining, but it's a little chilly, but I'm doing good today. A little, a little chilly. I, I, I forgot you're... you're not your your what's the word not repatriated what's the word for when you leave the country you were born in you're not in the country so you're in a place where it's warm it's 28 freaking degrees out where i'm I'm in new york so it's 28 degrees out with wind and snow coming tonight it's a typical winter in the northeast it's dark the sun didn't come out today it's dark right now the sun but the sun never came out so it's basically been dark for like two days straight and this is normal well this is why we're all depressed <laughs> Yeah, it's too much. It's too much. But I am super excited that we are here to do part two of friendships. Exactly. Where I, I think I mentioned on the on the prior episode that I wanted to break this up because we focused on autistic friendships amongst like elementary age kids. And I mm-hmm. want to do an episode focusing on adolescence. And I think I want to do a third parter, which will mm-hmm. come out the week after this, on how autistic friendships in general look different. But today we're focusing on adolescence because I think that's, you tend to get some different dynamics. Mm -hmm. Some are the same, some are different than elementary. Obviously you're dealing with an older population and you also get things like relationships and puberty and all all sorts of like other confounding factors. So I want to do our own episode on it. So Stacey, uh, how do you want to start this off? Well, first I want to start with reminding the listeners that friendships, relationships during adolescence, puberty is chaos, right? Whether you're autistic or not. (laughs) So we're going to think of the baseline of chaos, right? And the drama. Um, And then we're going to add on the nuances that are contributed when you are an autistic individual. So when I think of adolescence and friendships, I always think of it's important for for our neurodivergent kiddos to know what, and I know I said this before, but you know, that's a time where our kids can be really vulnerable and taken advantage of, right? Like boys can tell autistic boys to do things they know are not appropriate to get them in trouble. And because the autistic student wants to make friends they're going to do that and then they end up in trouble because they don't know they're not supposed to do that they're just trying to sort of fit in which happens to a lot of kids but our kids get in a lot of trouble because they make them do a lot like a lot of stuff like do you remember some of the stuff that kids make other kids do in junior high high school it's some stupid stuff here's the thing You not want to dig up your dirty laundry? It's not that. It's, yeah, see, no one made me do shit. It was usually me coming up with the bad ideas or or one of my autistic friends coming up with a fabulously awful idea and me going, yeah, that sounds great. Because most of my friends were as impulsive as I was. So we did a lot of stuff, some of which, amazingly, we never got arrested. Some of it should have gotten us arrested. Uh, Some of it, um, I'm not going to say on this podcast, but definitely would have certain organizations very mad at us mm-hmm. for some of the stuff we did. Some of it was downright dangerous. 
which I guess you could argue we were teenage boys, so yeah. But yeah. like, I can't remember someone forcing me to do something or telling me to do something. Well, mainly because I hung out with, I was in special ed, so I hung out with mostly other, everyone was like on the spectrum. And mm-hmm. the kids that weren't on the spectrum didn't like talk to the kids that were because we were all weird. So it's just sure. a bunch of like impulsive, autistic teenage boys just sort of bouncing bad ideas off each other, which is never a good thing. No, no. But I'm sure in a normal environment, when you're not surrounded by autistic boys who are just as stupid as you are, uh, you do get like non-autistics convincing autistic boys and autistic people into doing stuff they shouldn't. One of the things I want to make the caveat is Mm -hmm. inevitably this podcast is going to focus a bit more on relationships amongst teenage boys, simply Mm -hmm. because I'm not a girl and I've never been a teenage girl and dynamics between girls and girls and boys and boys are just there. They tend to be different. Well, I think that one of the things I, I'm going to say this now, I'm going to say it again later in the podcast is, you know, this is a time for parents, caregivers, when your kids are into adolescence and they're out of elementary school and going into prepping for high school. This is when, if you live in an area that has extracurricular activities, your children don't need to rely on school for making friends, right? This is when you can put them in things that they're interested in and they meet other kids that are interested in those same things. And that can foster some really healthy relationships and friendships. But that's not always something that is accessible. And most of the time kids do find friends for whatever that means at school. So thinking in terms of when I think of boys, right? Let's start with boys. We'll talk a little bit about girls, but let's start with boys. When I think about boys, I think the biggest concern is always boys have testosterone. Boys have a um, lot of testosterone. That's what I'm sorry to put you off. That's what I brought this up in the podcast before. Our testosterone is the highest during puberty that's ever going to be. So it's like take that's what anabolic steroids are. They're they're endogenous male hormones. So it's like someone's just injecting testosterone into our booty cheeks like every week yes. for like seven years. Yes. So we're expecting them to make rational decisions when they're not capable. So that's one thing adults need to think about. So when you are giving rules and boundaries to your autistic child who happens to be a male, you need to make it very concretely and visually communicated for them to really understand what it is that your expectations are because there's a lot going on, a lot going on in their little systems and their little bodies and they're going to act on it. Like like they're going to be impulsive. And so they're going to do things that are for lack of a better term, inappropriate, sometimes dangerous, sometimes Sometimes all three. Yes, 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 yes. But one of the things that comes into play is if you're, and we're we're just going to start with sort of the lack of a better term, heterosexual relationship, right? We're going to start from the assumption that if a boy likes girls, then as my godchild told me one year in eighth grade, when I said, why are you struggling in math this year? Because you typically do very well in math. And he looked at me and he said, Nanny, there are a lot of breasts in eighth grade. 
I said, yes, there are. And they're extremely visually distracting. So we have to remember there's that component, right? Of the visual distraction of girls. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, if they say they're going to wear their school uniforms. Those girls have a way of making those school uniforms look very um, appealing <laughs> to boys while following the protocol for wearing their school uniform. I just want so, to add a disclaimer before we get canceled that Stacy <laughs> is from a prior generation. She is neither a Zoomer nor is she a millennial. Uh, therefore, she is from a prior time and mm -hmm. our curb of judging her opinions must be graded as such. <laughs> That's your disclaimer. Please don't okay, so cancel should I, us. Should I fast forward to... And because this, this is what I'm thinking of. I want to talk about, it's not about how to develop friendships necessarily, or if your child develops friendships, it's really making sure your child doesn't get in more trouble than adolescents typically get into because a lot of, and, and my lived experience for that's the phrase that's being tossed around is Autistic boys tend to get into a lot of trouble because they do things in relation to girls that are deemed very sexually inappropriate, even though they're not coming from that standpoint, right? Some, sometimes they are. Just speaking yes. from, I'm not going to go into it. Speaking yes. from uh, experience, uh, sometimes they are just straight up inappropriate. In fact, usually they're straight up inappropriate. Yes, but they are from a standpoint, a perspective of a concrete thinking autistic pubescent male, um, for example, many adolescent males, not all, but many adolescent males have told me, well, I like that girl, so she should like me too. That's the rationale in their head. Can you expand on that? You, you see, well, see, I have total understanding that because when you've had the, some of the awful things that women have said to me since I was a kid, uh, said to me, uh, for example, y'all can't see me, but I have a rather large head. Like, I, I have a pretty big body, too, so my head's not disproportional, but because I've always had a large head, people make fun of that. Um, like I said, I talk weird because I'm half deaf, so I have that, like, thick, like, deaf person voice. And I've always just been weird. So the idea of females like liking me back has always been like a foreign concept to begin with. So I have trouble getting in my trouble wrapping my head around the, the, around that the entitlement that like, because I like a chick, she should like me too. <laughs> I, well, I, I literally can't, can't get there mentally. <laughs> and the, the other thing is if we go to that phrase about needing to know what to expect, right? So the expectation from the pubescent male is, if I like that girl, she likes me back. If I ask that girl out, the expectation is that she will say yes, right? So they've not been told that the majority of girls will turn you down, right? So you have to have those conversations with your pubescent child. Once again, they, they just, I, I can't understand how you just assume they're gonna say yes. Man. it's like the, the, the entitled by my I, I, I wish i had that confidence i just assume they're gonna say yes okay so so let me let me tell you the words of one of my homeschool students who's 14 today today his 
when I asked him how his weekend was, he actually complained that the weekend was not long enough. Okay, this is a 14-year-old that homeschools and literally goes to school, like, I don't know, homeschools eight to 10 hours a week. Like, it's not a lot of time from his schedule. Listen, griping is just a, a, a dude thing. Like, we yes. will always, I assume this is a dude. Uh, that's just, we start griping when we're children and we just gripe up until the day we die. It doesn't matter what it's about. We're just going, it's, it, it, it's how we communicate with the world. It's like how like rhinos grunt. I don't know why I thought of a oh rhino gosh, just not grunting. Rhinos. That's us. We, we just gripe. We're always going to gripe. So he's prepping for high school. And so when I ask him, what do you expect from high school? What do you think high school is going to be like? He always says the same thing. I'm going to have lots of friends. I'm going to go to parties. We're going to hang out on the weekends. I'm like, I, I thought that when I was entering college too. I remember I thought that too. Yes. <laughs> he's going to be disabused to that. Don't worry. Don't worry. Freshman year, whether it be high school or college, will disabuse him of some of these notions very, very quickly. It'll, yes. it'll work itself out. Might not yes. be great for his mental health, but it will work itself out. Which which brings me to the fact that you have to allow it to work itself out, even though it will be painful to watch, because that's part of growing up. That's part of growing pains. You're going to get rejected. You're not going to have an invite to that social event, right? And I think that caregivers need to not give false hope expectations. So don't say things like, Oh, you know, someone will ask you to the dance. Do you know if someone's going to ask them to oh, the yeah. dance? Oh, yeah, don't do that because then if someone oh. doesn't, they're going to feel, not only are they going to be upset, they're going to feel lied to on top of that. Yes, yes. And the reality is this. I do understand, and we've talked about this with the other podcast, but I do understand that parents want, parents and caregivers are sort of feeling that, you know, I want my kid to not be left out. I don't want them to feel like, I don't want them to have, everybody doesn't get asked to the dance, whether they're autistic or not. So teaching your child to be able to participate in the social world as an adult is teaching them, everyone's not going to want to be your friend and everyone's not going to invite you to the party. And that's not because you're autistic. It's just because you just weren't someone they wanted at the party. Like, no, it, it's, it's it, exactly. And I actually do want to touch on that. We talked about that in the first episode with younger kids with with uh, wanting them to have friends and wanting them to feel popular. And I want to get to that because that's one of the similarities tend to, that tends to cross over in adolescence. In fact, it tends to go even harder because adolescents start being aware when they're outcast. Yes. One of the examples I think of when you bring up uh, dance, just for example, is obviously in our high school, we had senior prom. And one of the kids, their parents, or a couple, this would happen with every grade level. A couple parents would always like arrange for some, usually a college girl to go with their kid. So their mm -hmm. kid wouldn't have to go to dance alone, which which is stupid for two reasons. The first is our school, because uh, girls, even to this day, but especially 15 years ago, would be less likely to get diagnosed with like autism or ADHD or those things. So if you mm -hmm. have spe a, a school that was strictly special ed, it would be way more boys than girls. So our school had about five to one boy to girl ratio. So most dudes went by themselves just because unless you had a bunch of friends outside of school, which most of us are on the spectrum, so we didn't. Most mm -hmm. high schoolers don't have friends really outside yeah. of school that much. Yeah. No one held it against you. You went by yourself. Like it was not held against you, but like parents would feel bad, but it'd have the opposite effect because 
what we would hold, what we did hold against kids. If someone, if someone went with a chick who you know, okay, you see, you see the kids, you see the chicks, like okay, their their parents clearly set this up. Like we would definitely dog. Like I would, we would definitely dog on that person, like relentlessly. So it ended up having. I know one friend in particular had the opposite effect on their self esteem because we dogged on him because we're high school kids. We dogged on him relentlessly because they get they had they found some girl from Columbia University, like a family friend to go with him. And we're like, okay, like she's clearly getting paid to go with you or doing yeah. your family. We said paid, like I think she was just doing yeah. the family a favor. But like yeah. clearly she's getting paid. Cause he was like, feeling good about himself. Like I got this because she was objectively attractive. I got mm-hmm. this pretty girl to go with me. I feel good. And then we just, he got to the place and we dogged on him relentless. I mean, immediately, like he walked in and we were just like, okay, even some of the teachers are saying that. <laughs> yeah. just like, some of the teachers like, oh yeah, they paid that girl to go with him. So it had the opposite effect mm-hmm. because it was so, um, they could have at least been realistic and gotten like a chick that you could at least see this dude with. Then again, this dude was so freaking weird. I like, you probably wouldn't see him with any chick. But uh, but uh, it was so unrealistic that it had the opposite effect that he just got made fun of yeah, because yeah. clearly you didn't pull that girl. Clearly, you did not pull yeah. that girl. There is no way yeah. on God's green earth that happened. So yeah. your parents intervene, and when you're in high school, the last thing you want, especially yeah. if you're a boy, is people thinking your parents did anything for you. Yeah, and I think that you know we had a post that was. Um... I think both of us responded to uh, a couple of days ago in terms of parents making decisions based on their own feelings and not their child's feelings. And I think that that's what happens is parents get caught up in what is the story they're going to tell about their child's friendships in high school? What is the story they're going to tell about their child's social life in junior high and high school? And you have to be really careful not to take that on because your child's experiences are going to be different than yours. Um, And I will share uh, an example. I haven't shared a story in a while, but I have a um, a relative whose son is um, not diagnosed, but definitely, you know, I would say that he was an autistic or neurodivergent individual, right? And I remember when he was in junior high and high school and mom, who is my cousin, is very, very social. Her and her husband are very, very social, huge social people. Well, their son didn't have a lot of folks that he hung out with. Mom was pushing for him to have this big social. And I said, just let him be. He has one friend. He's good. He has two friends. He's good. He doesn't want to do a lot. It's fine. She insisted. Well, it backfired. It backfired. And then he shut down. So as a parent, she had to recognize his social life was going to be different than her social life that she experienced. And she had to let that go. Now, it took her a while and a lot of pain, right, that she had to go through emotional pain because it was hard for her to see it from a different perspective because her experience was so different. And so I think that parents have to be careful not to put their own stuff on their children, which also I've seen the opposite of that, where parents who were not very social or didn't have a lot of friends and felt isolated because 
I will just say as a side note, those parents, I think, were undiagnosed autistic individuals. However, maybe they were just introverts, but most of the ones that I hear say this, they were so sad and lonely. They didn't want their children to be that way. So they're pushing their children to go out and do all this friendship stuff when it's not their children's cup of tea, right? And I don't know if I'm making a lot of sense because- No, I get exactly what you mean. Because they're concerned about their ability to socialize. And I feel like as they become adolescents, Mm -hmm. all that, well, what will they do in the real world stuff, which just falls into that category. There's a whole bunch of stuff of everything's geared around the quote unquote real world, capital T, capital R, just like the autism, capital T, capital A, Mm -hmm. capital T, capital R, the real world, yes. capital W, yes. dyslexia for you. So, so T-R-W, <laughs> the real world. And this is one of those categories. And I feel like as they become adolescents, the panic grows because obviously mm-hmm. they're closer to entering the real world. Mm-hmm. The real, apparently no one's ever been to college before um, or been <laughs> in their 20s before because your 20s is not the real world. I hate to tell you that. No. Um, as someone who's now in their 30s. So I feel like they become more panicky and they become more desperate and you see more tactics to try to get them in social situations, which sometimes they want. Sometimes, like, like, I sometimes want to have more of a social life. Like when I entered college, I was a lot like that kid you mentioned who was entering high school, where I thought, oh, this is cool. I'm going to talk to all these girls, which... Asterisk. The answer is I did talk to a lot of girls. Asterisk. I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, uh, I'm going to go all these parties, which I did. Asterisk. I'm going to have this big social life, which I did. Asterisk. But I had a little because I didn't have, the reason I wanted these things is because I didn't have them in high school and I'd see other kids who were going to these parties and they were getting with these girls and they would have this robust social life. And I felt like I was sort of missing out. I felt like there was something missing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like sometimes, especially adolescents, you will get that. But mm-hmm. other times, like a lot of my other autistic friends, they were teenagers. They just wanted to be left alone. Yeah. Like they were being, I was dragging them to stuff because I wanted to have this big, crazy whirlwind social life. And sort of, and I feel bad about this in hindsight. I would drag them along for the ride oftentimes and they really just wanted to be left alone. So I feel like you get a lot of parents with kids who just want to be left alone. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to get them to make friends because they think something, something, the real world. Yeah. What, yes. what would, so I guess my question is, what would you, tell those parents who have legitimate concerns about the real world. Like I'm, I'm being facetious, but yes, yeah. those are legitimate concerns, especially when you have a teenager. What would you say to those parents who are concerned about like their kid not showing a desire to be social or not having a lot of social skills? So first I always say, is your child happy and content not hanging out with other people? That's my first question, right? If your child is happy and content, at home, creating things online, uh, coding, um, building phenomenal Legos, drawing, creating, whatever it is, fine. If your child's not complaining, then, you know, fine. However, I am also a firm believer in natural consequences of life. So, you know, everybody talks about inclusion, right? Inclusion, 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 inclusion. Okay, so part of inclusion is 
going into the real world and having real world circumstances. And some people are going to be doormats. Some people are going to be the people at work nobody wants to be around. Some people are going to be the person at work that everyone wants to be around. And that has nothing to do with you being autistic or not. It has to be with whom you are and whether or not people are gravitating towards you. So when it comes to, I'm worried about my child, I'm worried about my child, my answer is always, your child is going to experience whatever they're going to experience like everyone else that goes into the real world. And they're either going to not like the natural consequences and they're going to make changes or they're not going to care and they're never going to make changes. We all know those people who don't have any friends or can't find a spouse and we know why they can't, but they don't change. So we have just accepted they're just going to be by themselves. There's nothing we can do, right? That's it. People are who they are. I also tell parents, you need to allow your children to develop into the person they're going to be. And that doesn't happen until your mid-20s. So you can have friendships in high school. And then a lot of times it fades out because you have different interests once you get to the college level. Once you get to your adult life, you have different interests and your friends that maybe you hung around with are not people you hang around with anymore. I know I'm kind of making it very simple, but the reality of it is whether you're an autistic person and not an autistic person, who you are and how you treat people is going to, to determine how people gravitate to you. So I think teaching your child how to treat people is going to bring them the friendships that they're welcome to and open to. And then the ones that they're not going to get, they're not going to get. I mean, it's really that simple. Human nature is based on, like, like you said, the guy who was so weird, right? Now, I'm all about embracing weird. I think parents and caregivers need to say, you know what? You're right. You're weird. We're all weird. I'm weird. You're weird. You're different. Whatever it is, own it. When you own it, people will gravitate to you. When you that you're weird and it's clear that you're weird and I'm not saying weird in a negative way there are people who are weird I know weird people I have weird people in my family I have friends who are very weird I love weird right I love weird but people who are weird and don't acknowledge their weirdness are people who have trouble making friends people who are weird and embrace their weirdness people are going to gravitate to you know why because when you have a positive self-concept, when you love who you are, whether you're weird, nuanced, different, hearing impaired, autistic, whatever it is, people are going to want to be around you. Because people like to be around people who feel good about themselves. They really do. So it's really a matter of instead of worrying about building your child's social life, building their friendships skills on how to ask someone to be their friend, which nobody does that in real life. Nobody says, hey, you want to be my friend? I've never said to someone, hey, do you want to be my friend? Ever. People just become friends, right? So thinking in terms of teaching your child how to be respectful to others, teaching your child how to feel good about them, themselves and their autistic identity is going to naturalistically bring them the people that should be in their circle. That's my viewpoint on life and friendship. And relationship. I, I agree. What I want to add is, well, a couple things. First thing is, yes, eventually they will find their tribe, 
but you also have to be patient as parent because that might take a while. It might not happen in high school. It might not even happen in college. It's more likely to happen in college than, than high school, but it might take a while for them to find their tribe, especially if you come from a very like insular community mm-hmm. where they're just the, the the cast of characters is not very large. Yes. It might take them a while. And another thing I would add into is this is sort of off topic, but it is on topic. I am big on exposing autistic kids to social situations. Obviously nothing they're super uncomfortable with, but pushing them in the direction of social situations where they are more likely to make friends. So if there's something they're interested in, we kind of covered this on the first episode. If there's something they're interested in, they're into like robotics or something. They're into, let's say video games. They're into video games and you find like a place where kids his age, their age are playing video games in real life. I would try to nudge them in that direction because they have similar interests. What I wouldn't do is just throw them in a random social club because they want to. For example, I was a big thing I've talked about this to help me make friends was I played sports. I was terrible at it, but because I played sports and most sports are team sports, pretty much every sport involves some social aspect, even if you're performing by yourself. So it gave me the opportunity to socialize with people. Another thing I want to mention is Yes, sometimes don't make friends in high school and they'll drift apart. But I know a lot of people, including myself, who most of my good friends now are people I met in high school. Like, I know a lot of autistic kids who met people in like middle school. I, I know people who are still friends who are autistic, who are still friends with people they met in elementary school. Yeah. Like, and like their social group is mostly just people they've known for 10 plus years, mm-hmm. which actually I think that's just an adult thing in general. Like, the older you get, the, the the more like the more likely it is that most of your friends are people you've known for double digits in the years. I, I I've noticed that with adults in general. Like when you talk to people who are like fifty plus, and they'll talk about their friends. Like how long have you known them? Yeah, I've known them since the Reagan administration. Yeah. But so I th- I think that's a normal thing anyway. But I'm getting off topic. Um, one of the things you mentioned is a kid who's weird but like can embrace it. That mm-hmm. definitely does help. But it did remind me of something you asked earlier, where you said, do you know of people, of autistic people being sort of talked into doing stuff that maybe is not the best? I actually do have some examples. I have to go to college. That was the first time. I was in special at the time I was three, the time I was 19. So going away to college the first time I was in a general population. But obviously mm-hmm. there are other autistic people there. And once again, no one really forced me into doing anything, but... I would see other autistic people or people who are clearly autistic because where I went to school in upstate New York, uh, special ed basically consists of like a broom closet. So uh, there were a lot of like clearly autistic kids who just were not diagnosed. But I would watch some uh, neurotypical or non-autistic people at like parties and stuff convince autistic kids to do some stuff that like nowadays would 100% get you me too. I was ah. leaving it at that. One hundred. I've watched other stuff too, but that's the first thing that came to mind is stuff that uh, one. I would watch autistic kids. I watched these these dudes convince autistic kids do stuff that was very inappropriate. Back then, it was more acceptable. This is like ten years ago, but objectively was 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 uh, inappropriate. Uh, and I may or may not have been cheering on this stuff too, 
because I was a raging alcoholic at this period. That's why I said asterisk by having the social life. I was a raging alcoholic. So uh, I may or may not have been cheering this shit on as well. But I do can think of instances, unfortunately, where autistic kids were sort of given very bad advice to do a whole uh, list of stuff, including parties and drinking and <laughs> drugs and situations that they really shouldn't have been in. But like these and oftentimes these weren't like malicious things. They weren't doing it. It's not like it is in like middle school. They weren't these, these neurotypicals weren't doing these things, suggesting these things because they thought it was funny. They yeah. would be trying to help the autistic kid ah, become gotcha. more social gotcha. in the best way they knew how, which is like, drink this liquor. Here's a bottle. Drink this liquor. Yeah. Uh, go talk to that girl. And by go talk to her, I mean, go do creepy stuff that is definitely inappropriate. But that's what we're doing. So you need to just do that, too. Except the difference is when you have enough social skills, you may be able to get away with it when you're autistic. You can't. But uh, that's a different story. But yeah, so I have seen stuff like that. So I would also say beware of that. Beware of, like, those kids were technically socializing. But actually, I do I, I do have an example I can say. It's not too bad. It's, I knew a friend who was kind of weird. And I, I don't really talk to him anymore. And he got into a fraternity, which I will not mention because it's, it's a national fraternity. And I knew people in that fraternity, too. So I was, I was always wondering, like, why the hell did they accept him? This dude's kind of weird and uh, kind of racist and uh, mm -hmm. kind of pervy and uh, kind of not a good person in hindsight. Mm -hmm. Like I said, mm -hmm. I hung out with a lot of people I regret associating with back then because, in part, because I was a raging alcoholic. But uh, because I was a raging alcoholic, I knew some of the frat members. So I was talking to them. And I was like, low key, like, so why did you accept this dude? Because, like, this dude's kind of weird. And he's like, Listen, I'm going to be honest. Basically, every year, we let, like, one really weird person in who's, like, really weird, but they're too socially inept to know that they're weird. And we just bring them around so we can make fun of them. And, like, he doesn't know we're making... He doesn't know we're making fun of him. And I would say I feel bad, but this guy... Like I said, this guy, the person they were making fun of, was kind of a bad person. Like, I'll just leave it at that. But he said this as if there were others because you use plural. <laughs> like there were um, others. This was a practice the fraternity did. And yeah, then I talked yeah. to a couple other members from a couple other fraternities and they all kind of echoed the same thing. Like this is a regular practice, at least at, at least at my college, this is a regular mm -hmm. practice where they would occasionally let somebody in who like they would basically be the, the jester mm -hmm. of the fraternity, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. is objectively f***ed up. That it just is. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the reality of the real world that everybody keeps talking about. Um, I know that we've kind of sort of, uh, the direction has been going towards taking um, the perspective of the males, but I will share with listeners, um, you know, my experience with a adolescent autistic girls. One of the struggles I feel that my girls have is- Not getting diagnosed? <laughs> no. I know these are my girls who've been diagnosed, but I find that girls tend to have the difficulty around, they may have a friend, but because they don't want, they want to be in control of the activity. So they only want to do this and they want everyone to do that. And then their friend wants to do this. That's the dilemma I find that the girls seem to struggle with in terms of, but I only want to play Minecraft. Well, your friend would like to do some 
other game. Yeah, but I want to play Minecraft, but your friend would like to play another game. So if we could maybe take turns and then the response is typically, yeah, but I don't like that other game. Yeah, but your friend doesn't really like Minecraft, but they're playing it because you're their friend. So part of it is, is your friend neurodivergent as well, right? Which can sometimes get really tricky. Um, and I do find that girls tend to navigate or gravitate. My adolescent girl students tend to gravitate toward other neurodivergent girls by default, whether they know they're neurodivergent or not. And so there's this sort of um, standoff of, but I want to go to Pinkberry and you want to go to 31 Flavors. So no one wants to compromise, right? Like their autistic brain is like, nope, this is what I like. Nope, this is what I like. This is what I want to do. Because girls are very decisive compared to boys. And I know I'm overgeneralizing, but girls are very decisive. Anybody who's a parent to girls and boys knows, girls will tell you, I want to wear this skirt with this shirt and these shoes. Boys will put on whatever you put on the sofa. They'll, whatever you put across the bed, they'll just throw it on. Um, I'm overgeneralizing, but girls can be very decisive. So what I find is the give and take part is the tricky part for the girls in developing those friendships. And usually the friendships break up because no one's willing to give in and compromise. Um, that's just me looking from the outside in my girls who have struggled with like, I want my friend only play this game. Well, it doesn't really work that way in friendship. Friendship is a give and take. It's not just taking. One of the things I want to add is, and I think this is important. I'm trying to think of how to phrase this. Mm -hmm. It's so Stacy works with autistic parents and autistic kids for a living. So the problem is so few adolescent girls are diagnosed compared to boys. Mm -hmm. And because our diagnosis criteria are based off what will you see in boys, the yeah. girls you're working with are almost self-selected, not self-selected, mm -hmm. but it's almost, there's, there's, the bias isn't the word. There's a word for that, but I can't think of it because I'm not a science guy, but basically you're working with a subsect of a larger population yes. because they've been diagnosed and they're already, yes. I believe, like, depending on where you are and what study you read, they're like one fourth to like one they're like one fourth to like one like tenth less likely to uh get diagnosed i'm not good with numbers once again but they're significantly less likely to get diagnosed than boys and the yes. ones who get diagnosed tend to present in more male ways i hate gendering autism because it's really not gendered but that's how I'm... the diagnosis criteria works yes. so there's from what i've heard like i said uh there weren't a lot of autistic girls in my school growing up because I, I can't think of what was it like growing up with autistic girls because like I said there were almost no girls in school and the ones that were weren't autistic or were undiagnosed and masking because that that just especially back then that just didn't happen you didn't get diagnosed unless you had like a bunch of learning disabilities on top of that if you were a chick so from what I've heard from interactions with like females who are more around my own age who are now diagnosed is a lot of issues were because they weren't diagnosed, they tended to fall in with more neurotypicals and you tend to get a lot more of the manipulation stuff and mm -hmm. you tended to, or like their weird ways of speaking or weird habits would tend to rub people the wrong way. So I know mm -hmm. one girl who, because they had a tendency of speaking and straight, I'm just going to be honest, they had a tendency of lying. They would lie for the sake of lying, not for malicious reasons. They just would. I think it was a self-defense mechanism. 
but they would just lie for no reason yeah. whatsoever. So they would constantly have to cite when they, when they were nervous about something. So they would constantly like every few months cycle through different groups of friends because mm -hmm. that was one of the reasons. And because they were just weird, like their special interest was Disney, which is, I'm generalized here, but like Disney for autistic girls is like trains for autistic boys. They're not all into mm -hmm. it, but it's kind of the default. <laughs> there's a lot of them. It's like there's a lot of boys, including myself, who like trains. So their special interest was Disney. So, which is girls like Disney, but she was like OD. Like this was like a special interest about it. So that people would just think they were weird. They would think they were immature for their age, mm -hmm. even though they were quite, they, they were actually really smart and they actually were pretty mature. And they would just say all sorts of awful things. Some of it deserved, like I said, because they had some really nasty coping mechanisms for some trauma. But I would see things like that. I knew another chick who basically was just like, I don't know how she avoided getting diagnosed because her presentation was so like typical male that I don't know how the hell she avoided getting diagnosed. Sim simply because she was a chick. Because yeah, she had ovaries was why she, if she had testes, she would have been diagnosed because she fit all, think of stereotypical go. Asperger's. That was this chick. Like, as soon as uh, I met her, I'm like, this chick's on the spectrum. But because she was a chick, she can get diagnosed. But as a result, like, uh, her hygiene wasn't the best. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes her roommates would complain. I never noticed it, but should her roommates would complain. Uh, she would just hold up in her dorm room. This is in college. Because it's the first mm -hmm. time I was introduced to, like, normal people. She, was, mm -hmm. she would hold up in her dorm room. Uh, she had, like, a very monotone way of speaking. She would talk about, like, I, she has special interests. I forget what it was. But she'd have, like, her own special interests. And so they, they, tend, to, they, they tend to not deal well with sort of the, think of a non-sexist way of saying this, but with girls, there's a whole lot of, I don't want to say backstabbing, but backstabbing, mm -hmm. a lot of talking behind the back, a lot of saying one thing and thinking another dudes tend to be more direct yeah um yeah. so there's a lot of that and they 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 from this is my experience talking to autistic chicks after they've been diagnosed way later in life when they weren't kids anymore gotcha. they tended to to struggle with that yeah with One the, of the, the lack that... of the, the lack of directness that's the word i'm looking for gotcha lack of directness exactly that's a great way to put it one of the things that i you know we have used the word um, weird because in adolescence, like junior high and high school, that's the term, right? That kids use, you know, oh my gosh, they're weird. They're so weird. I mean, that's the terminology that kids use. What I would like to caution parents, caregivers on is once again, you got to get outside your feelings. So a lot of times when parents have a child that would be considered as weird compared, you know, when the other children would see them as weird or different, because the parents are self-conscious about it, they try to direct their child to make friends with people who are not perceived as weird. You need to be able to embrace your friend, your child. Your weird child is going to make friends with other weird children, and you need to embrace that. Because what I find is parents will say, well, you know, I don't want them because they don't want their child to stand out. But you need to embrace it because, I mean... Well, and they're not going to stand out there with other weird people. Like, by definition, well, you stand out when you're the only one. But if you have a group of well, people who are also weird as true. fuck. Yes, that is true. But you find 
niche. That's what adolescence is about, finding the group, right? Are you going to hang out with these kids at high school? Like we all had a group that we hung out with, right? I mean, technically, you know, they have categories that we could list, but we're not going to list those categories. But I do find that a lot of parents will say, well, you know, she has this one friend, but you know, she's, she's kind of, and I'm like, hey, that's, you're just going to have to work with that because you don't want to recognize your child is different. You don't want to accept that your child is different and sees the world differently or comes up with wacky ideas, right? But you need to own that and let your child own it. And apparently your child has because they've met the other person who's weird and just embrace it. I always think of people who are artists, right? Artists, musicians, people who are very creative people. They tend to be outliers and they're going to find the other creative people and they do things very differently. And yeah, so, artists, artists are, are very weird people to speak. Yeah. My best friend's an art is, is, is a professional uh, illustrator, like does for a living. Um, I'm an inspiring writer. I say inspiring because I haven't written a goddamn thing in like a decade, but my friend's an actual like professional. And yeah, well, weird as hell. Like, yeah. and, like we're just weird. So I think that, you know, with us having this conversation and processing what we've said, I don't think that the developing friendships for adolescents and, you know, adolescent years is necessarily making your child learn how to do something or teaching direct social skills. I'm not saying that we don't need to teach things. I'm saying what parents and caregivers need to do is you need to embrace and accept your child for who they are so they can do the same, so they can find the people that are going to appreciate them for who they are. Because that's what true friendship is. Friendship is not getting invited to the wedding or the parties. How many of us as adults are invited to things that you're invited to it because it's what everyone does, right? They don't really want you there. You don't really wanna be there, right? But you go because we've all bought into this conformist and following all these social guidelines. No, you, no, you go, I don't go to those things. Well, I don't, <laughs> I don't want to go to, but it is, um, which sometimes I feel like, oh, I could have just gone. But anyway, I think that what I feel based on this conversation is it's really up to parents to accept their children, help their children love who they are, friendships are developed out of people who truly care about you and accept you for who you are whether you're weird or not weird my friends who are my friends accept me because this is stacy i'm loud i am uh opinionated and i am a stand your ground kind of person right there are other things as well but People who decide and choose to be in my friendship circle have accepted me for who I am. I'm late for stuff. They've accepted that, right? They're not trying to change me and make me into something else. So I think that we need to, one of the things that I can say that I have watched is when I was in Puerto Rico and parents are so accepting of their autistic children's stems. They're so accepting of their autistic children's communication, social nuances. Those children do very well in their adolescent life because they're accepted, they're embraced, and therefore they feel confident. We keep trying to talk about how do we teach our kids to be confident. It starts with how parents feel about their children. I'm not saying you have to tell them they're great at everything. Don't bullshit them. I'm saying 
embrace them for who they are, right? If you're clumsy, you're clumsy. Own it, right? Work with it. I was clumsy. I didn't use I didn't use glasses, like glasses to drink out of, actual glass when I went to people's houses for a really long time because I dropped a lot of glasses. So I only used their plastic stuff because I didn't want to break anything. People accepted it. Now, luckily, I've grown into a person who can hold on to a glass and not drop it. But you have to accept and own and your friendships are going to, in the real world, your child's friendship is going to develop out of people who love them for who they are and accept them for who they are, no matter what it is, right? Right, wrong, or indifferent. That's my stance. That's what I'm, that's my, that's my stance. No, I think that's, see, I, I would, I would have loved to end with that because that's sort of a perfect way to end it. But the one thing that I feel I have to bring up to, to go back something I was, uh, something I was saying earlier and something you were mentioning earlier, and this is, I guess, a little darker. So I feel bad that I have to bring this up, but I do feel like I have to. Um, when you mentioned about uh, people being pressured and doing mm-hmm. stuff they want to and bad influence and stuff. When we talk about autistic girls, one thing that I've noticed people I've talked to online and female friends who are on the spectrum that I know in real life, which I know quite a few, it's almost all of them have had just awful experiences with dudes. Yes. Domestic like really bad. It varies how dark it is, but it ranges from bad to God damn. Yeah. And it's, I can think of only one autistic chick off the top of my head that didn't fit this description. And I haven't talked to her in a very long time, so that might have changed. But it, it's bad. It's bad, bad. Like, it's it's uniform. It's like, it, it's like, uh, I, I the joke I make is like, it's like substance abuse in autistic men. It's like almost a rite of passage. Um, mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of, in particular dudes, because we're dudes, uh, will take mm-hmm. advantage of, of these women. Especially yes. because they might not have uh, the social wherewithal to mm-hmm. see that the uh, dude is sus and to see that yes. this is not a great situation until it's too late. So you tend to see a lot of abuse, a lot of thing, other really bad things. Let's say because I don't feel like just putting this the the I don't feel like censoring all the stuff out. So let's just say other bad things, and you see it at a, a alarming rates. Yes, very, yes. very, very, yes. very, very, very alarming rates. I believe there's some, there's some, there's some numbers to back that up. Um, I don't remember them off the top of my head, but it's unsettling. I feel like, especially for autistic girls, especially because they're not diagnosed, they don't yes. know. I don't want to use the words more vulnerable, but they don't know that they're more susceptible mm-hmm. a little bit more. Women in general have to deal with that, but I feel like they might be more susceptible because of the things I mentioned, and you know, it's just experience i've seen that and this is something that it's i don't want to say uniquely something that autistic women deal with because autistic dudes do deal with it too but just like with regular dudes it's not at the same rate yeah. it's not in the same way yeah yeah um, and i, I think it's that, something like i really like i didn't have to worry about that in the same yeah, sort of way exactly exactly but i also think that you know parents and caregivers need, need to be people keep talking about the real world you need to prep your children for the real world. You need to let them know. Yeah, that some people are really And let me show you what she looks like, right? So your friend Becky did this. That's a really 
friendship. The problem is they don't prep because in a lot of these situations, in a lot of these situations, not Mm -hmm. all, but a lot of these situations, because of, and I'm sorry taking this off the rails, but because of how, how especially dads handle the idea of like uh, their daughters and like interactions the opposite sex, they would just hide stuff. Like I say this, I I I I I'm being serious, so I don't mean to laugh, but I've had like I, I, I talked to one female friend of mine. This was a long time ago, like a decade ago. And she was explaining to me how like uh my dad thinks like I'm a virgin and he doesn't think I've been with anybody, which is funny because when she said this, I'd already been with her too. So yeah. I was, and she straight up said that she wasn't talking to dudes, like with me standing right there too. Mm. And it's like just straight faced. Like people who say autistic people can't lie. No, autistic men can't lie. We <laughs> suck at lying. Autistic women tend to be great at it because you have oh to my be. Gosh. It's it's an adaption. So I've seen that where like I I knew another just another another autistic woman uh, female I knew uh, in college around the same time. Actually, the the two examples I'm giving they were actually roommates. Oddly enough. Um, random they know each other they just randomly got 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 uh assigned a room together they're both on the spectrum this girl she's like yeah my dad my my dad doesn't think doesn't think i've been with everybody this girl had a literal list like an actual like paper because she showed me an actual paper of dude shoes currently sleeping with in rotation wow not that she had at one time like currently yeah like in like a rotation on yes. paper, like in a very autistic way, where she meticulously tracked them down, and she had a list of the next the next group she was trying to lure there in. Like she was showing me, and then like the autism, the autistic in me was like, "This is fascinating." Like I was, I was impressed by it because I was like, like I appreciate as an autistic person, I appreciate the, the uniformity and the systematate the, the systemizing of her body hey. core rotation. There you but go. her dad thought. Virgin. And the problem was she'd had some very bad experiences prior to this. Mm-hmm. That 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 she that that her her pa- family had no idea. So and I've seen this time and time again. A big issue with parents, especially with girls, is they don't want to acknowledge like they're doing stuff like this. They don't want to even talk about. It. So so a lot of women they won't be upfront about this. They're not like yeah. dudes. We're not like a, a dude will just say stuff. We tend not yeah. to hide things unless it's like really bad, like we're doing drugs or something. Or like in a gang, we mm-hmm. tend not to hide things from our parents. Yeah, like uh, like like I said, unless it's like bad bad. Girls will, women will, yeah. young women will. So that's another thing that I want to bring up is, I don't know how because I'm not a parent and I'm not a chick and I was an only child, so I don't really have point of reference. But you gotta make sure, especially if you have an autistic girl, that you have that line of communication, that line of dialogue. And this sounds bad, but I almost but but the only way I can think of is almost assume that there's some stuff being left out and you oh, almost have definitely. to read. Cause you got to read between the lines. Cause like this one, like the one girl I mentioned who said to her dad, like, I'm not seeing anybody. I was standing right there. Like I think her dad was on the spectrum because anyone who could put two and two together was, should clearly see that I was with this chick. Like clearly, like clearly yeah. tell she was lying. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. clearly, like her mom knew she was lying. It's just the dad wasn't trying to hear it. Yes, that the, makes- dad, the dad would destroy, which is a problem with autistic kids in general. Which we'll, we'll do a whole episode on that. Oh my gosh! Just titled dads and just yes. get canceled. 
Yes. But and, but yes. we are going to do that at some point because dads, basically dads act like dads. And that's one mm-hmm. of the issues. And I think that's not just an autistic girl thing. It's a thing in general. It's, yeah, I don't want to get too far off topic, but they just, they're not trying to hear it. So they're like, well, you, you'll have reality and they're just not trying to hear it. Yeah. And then moms are always worried about the fitting in, right? The conforming, the fitting in. And yeah, we're, so, we're going to do two separate episodes at some point called just we will have to do Autism that. Moms and Autism Dads. Right after this but, series, we're going to do that. But thinking of the perspective of moms wanting their kids to fit in, especially their girls, that can put them in situations where they are more susceptible to be taken advantage of because they're doing things so that you feel a sense of comfort you know children will do that they will try to do things to make you feel more comfortable or if parents are pushing them in situations that they're just not ready for but i i think that i just think that parents just need to be honest about you know i i find that that for whether they're little children or they're older children you know parents just give a bunch of bs to their children about oh you know Becky will come around. No, Becky's a straight up bitch. She's not coming around and you don't want to be her friend. Like, I don't understand why you can't be honest about and stop thinking that, like, if your children think that everyone is good, they're going to trust everyone. You can't send your children into the real world, that imaginary real world, but you can't prepare your children for adult life by lying to them that everyone's going to be nice. Like, no. Like, even when you see stuff on the news, people are like shocked. I'm like, really? Are you really shocked? Do you think that everyone's being nice? No, they're not. There's some mean people in the world. And that has nothing the, to do with the, autism. The last, the, the last thing I'll say, and then we really do have to wrap this up. Here. Yes. Because yes. what you said is, uh, a friend of mine, uh, she was we, 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 me and like our whole social group at the time. We were at her house and we were just chilling. And her parents were kind of like dicks, for lack of a better word. They were very overly protective. Got it. It didn't help keeping her from getting into stuff. It actually had the opposite effect, but that's neither here nor there. But she asked her, her little brother was there. And when I say the little brother, we were in our 20s. He's like a year younger. So he was in college at the time. And she straight up asked him, like, in front of us, like, why are why is mom and dad so much, like, up my ass, but they weren't up his? Like, they'd let him do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the answers is sexism, by the way. I just yeah. want to mention yes. that. Because he was yeah. a dude, because he's testes. That's the reason. But yes. also, he mentioned, and he straight up said, he's like, listen, it's because we all know that, like, you trust everybody, and some people can't be trusted, and as a result, you're horrible at making decisions of who to yes. trust. That's why they're more worried. Like, he just said, because that was a little, in a way, only siblings will do, just straight mm-hmm. said that. And I sat there, and, like, he was right, but it was something, like, I would never tell her out loud. I was like, because mm-hmm. I'm an only child, so I was like, damn, he just said all of the quiet parts. But yes. that, 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 that's the, that, that is a problem. You can't trust everybody, but at the same time, you can't respond by clamping down entirely. No, no. Because that no. has the that that oddly enough will have the opposite effect. Yes. So I'm gonna say my final words. My final words are this. If you are a parent or a caregiver of an adolescent child that is autistic, you need to be supportive, you need to be accepting, you need to allow your child to experience heartbreak, loss of friends because that's part of life you 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 
it's hard to watch, you know, I'm a parent, um, but it's part of life and, and your children will learn. And if you're there to support them, they can get through it. Right. So you can't bubble wrap them and you can't bubble wrap their emotions, but you can support them and prepare them um, so that they can make lasting friendships and make smart choices about who their friends are going to be by sort of just being that parent that is honest, supportive, accepting, but also there to catch them when they fall because they're going to fall. Part of life is falling and sometimes you're going to fall. And if you, once again, everybody wants, you know, inclusion, inclusion. Well, part of inclusion is sometimes you're going to get your heart broken, just like everybody else. You don't get a pass because you're disabled on not getting a heartbreak. I mean, that's just not realistic. Um, no, it's not fun to watch. Oh my gosh. I remember my son, he was in seventh grade and oh my gosh, he had the heartbreak of his life. I mean, I think he cried for three days and I thought to myself, this is so ridiculous, but you know, this, I was This there. is why I can never be a parent. I could never be, I always say I could never be a parent because I'd be sitting there, especially if it happened that early. I'd be like, I'd be like the, the, the thing from, I believe it's from the Simpsons movie where Bart has his pants stripped off and he's embarrassed. Like, this is the worst day of my life. He goes, the worst day of your life so far. That would 100% be me. It's like, you think this is bad? Like, wait till you get in your 20s. You're going to, yes. it's like Kevin Hart. You're going to learn today. Yes. Like, you think, like, I can never be a parent, but we have to wrap this up. Yes. And Stacy, that's why we're working to shift the narrative on everything autism. See ya.